This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that strives to know at least a little more history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about Phyllis Wheatley, one of the first prominent African-American poets and a catalyst for the early anti-slavery movement. The day was October 18, 1773. The renowned poet Phyllis Wheatley was freed from slavery. She had recently returned to Boston after traveling to London with her master's son to publish her first book of poems. Her manumission, or release from slavery, was likely due to pressure from her British admirers, who found it appalling that she was denied her freedom even as she was celebrated for her genius. Phyllis Wheatley had been stolen from her home in West Africa when she was about seven years old. Her original African name is unknown, but she came to be called Phyllis after the slave ship that took her to America. She was brought to Boston as part of a group of enslaved people who were considered too young, old, or sickly to be suited for farm labor in the southern colonies. In August of 1761, Phyllis was bought by Susanna Wheatley, the wife of a prominent Boston merchant named John Wheatley. The captain of the slave ship sold the frail young girl at a low price, believing she was terminally ill and that he should make whatever profit he could before she died. Susanna Wheatley used Phyllis as a domestic servant, but quickly realized the girl was extremely intelligent. From then on, the Wheatleys encouraged Phyllis to learn how to read and write. She was excused from most of her household duties, and Susanna, with help from her own daughter Mary, began to tutor the girl in everything from religion to literature to history. By the time she turned 12, Phyllis could read not just English, but Greek and Latin as well. Two years later, in 1767, she published her first poem in the Newport Mercury newspaper. It was titled On Messrs. Huzzy and Coffin, and was written as an ode to sailors who had narrowly survived a deadly storm. The two men named in the title had been dinner guests at the Wheatley's home, and Phyllis overheard their tale of survival while tending table for them. Three years later, Phyllis achieved international fame when she wrote a moving elegy of Baptist preacher George Whitefield, the leader of the religious revival known as the First Great Awakening. Buoyed by the positive response to her work and encouraged by the Wheatleys, Phyllis devoted herself to poetry. Over the next couple years, she assembled a manuscript containing 28 original poems. Then, in February of 1772, she and Susanna Wheatley posted advertisements in Boston newspapers, hoping to attract subscribers for her first book of poetry. Unfortunately, the literate colonists of Boston were unwilling to pay for the writing of an African girl. They would concede her talent and enjoy her work when it came free as part of their newspaper, but paying an enslaved person for their labor was strictly out of the question. Discouraged by their neighbors, 
Phyllis and the Wheatleys decided to search for a publisher on the other side of the Atlantic. In May of 1773, Phyllis and the Wheatley's son, Nathaniel, left on a ship to London. The poet was in poor health due to chronic asthma, but she received a warm reception from dignitaries and other members of the British aristocracy who adored her work. During her time in London, Phyllis met Selina Hastings, the Countess of Huntingdon, and a friend of Susanna Wheatley. Several months later, the Countess funded the publication of Phyllis's book, Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral. The book was released with rave reviews in late 1773. Shortly after, Phyllis traveled back to Boston with a promise from Nathaniel that she would soon be granted her freedom. As mentioned earlier, the decision to free her was likely due in part to the scathing articles that had been written about the Wheatleys during their time in England. Whatever the reason, Nathaniel kept his word. Just one month after returning to Boston, in a letter dated October 18, 1773, Phyllis wrote that she had been freed. Yet even as a free woman in Boston, Phyllis's life remained difficult. Most of the Wheatleys died over the next few years, and without the family's support, she was unable to sell her writing or secure a publisher for a second book. Despite her earlier popularity and acclaim, Phyllis published just four more poems between 1776 and her premature death in 1784 at the age of 31. Today, it's believed that Phyllis Wheatley wrote as many as 145 poems, with the majority of them intended for the second volume that no one would support. Tragically, most of that work is now lost. For a long time after her death, many literary critics portrayed Phyllis as being unconcerned with the issue of slavery. She was viewed as a proponent of patriotism and evangelical Christianity, but not as an abolitionist. In recent years, however, scholars have discovered more writings and facts about Phyllis's life that clearly illustrate her contempt for slavery and her artful use of biblical references as a way to highlight the hypocrisies of the institution. But the truth is that the poet used her art to make a statement against slavery even as she was being paraded and exploited by those who claimed to oppose the practice, yet benefited from it all the same. In her book from 1773, one poem speaks directly of her enslavement and of the monstrous actions of slave traders and holders, including her own. Phyllis Wheatley writes, quote, I, young in life, by seeming cruel fate, was snatched from Afric's fancied happy seat. What pangs excruciating must molest, what sorrows labor in my parents' breast. Steeled was that soul, and by no misery moved, that from a father seized his babe beloved. Such, such my case, and can I then but pray, others may never feel tyrannic sway. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. 
And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you very much for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.